You are listening to the Long Hollow Podcast. For more information on Long Hollow or to watch a video version of this podcast, visit www.longhollow.com. Have you ever shared a story with someone and then after you finish, you realize they didn't listen to anything you just said? Anybody ever done that before? Happens with my kids all the time. Um, yesterday we were driving uh, to eat breakfast on Saturday, which we normally call Saturdads, and I let them choose. And of course, it was Waffle House. Anybody with me? Breakfast of champions, right? And uh, Candy and I had uh, gone to Baton Rouge this week. Her aunt had passed away, and I had done the funeral the day before. And so I was sharing with the boys what I had learned uh, from the Lord. Like I was saying, hey, this is what the Lord's teaching me right now. And I, I said, what do you guys think about that? From the back seat, I heard, huh? So I turned around as I was driving, and I noticed one of my boys, who will remain nameless, had his head down in his phone. And I said, did you listen to anything I just said? Nope. <laughs> Anybody have kids like this? <laughs> right? <laughs> I'm not alone, right? Uh, you tell an entire story, and then they don't listen to any of it. You know, if we're honest, I think sometimes we could feel like God responds that way, right? Like you start to think, God, are you, are you listening to what I'm saying? Do you even hear my request at times? I wanna show us today the kind of prayer that makes it to heaven. There's a certain kind of prayer, and we see this in the Bible, particularly in the life of Jesus, who is our model. We're gonna see the kind of prayer that God hears. If you have a Bible, I hope you do. Turn with me to the book of Hebrews chapter five. I wanna show you the model that Jesus gives us uh, by basically living before us as he prayed for the kind of prayer that makes it into heaven. Kind of prayer that God hears. Hebrews chapter five, verse seven, we like to say word at Long Hollow. If you're at home, you can say word. If you're here with the Bible or you're looking at the screen, you can say word. The word of the Lord. We, we know the word changes our life, so we wanna get into the word until the word gets into us, Amen. Verse seven, the word of the Lord. During Jesus's earthly life, he offered prayers and appeals, prayers and petitions with loud cries and tears to the one who was able to save him from death. And he was heard, notice this, because of his reverence. Let me pray as we begin our time together. Father, I pray today that you show us how to pray, how to, how to communicate with you, and that uh, we be energized to do so. Speak through me now, God, as I speak to your people. We ask it in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Let me give you three insights of the kind of prayer life that Jesus had in order, I believe, for our prayers to be heard by God. Number one is this, we must pray consistently. We must pray consistently. Now the text says, during his earthly life or during his fleshly existence, basically. And what the writer is talking about is the humanity of Jesus. Now we know this, Jesus was all God and all man at the same time. 
Okay, so he was all divinity and all humanity. However, in Jesus's humanity, I believe the Bible teaches that God revealed to Jesus what he wanted him to do throughout his earthly life. What that means is Jesus didn't walk around flexing his God muscles to the world, right? Jesus didn't walk around, as Marty Solomon says, with God goggles on. Anybody familiar with Marty Solomon and the Bama podcast? About seven of us. It's a great podcast. Marty Solomon's coming to Long Hollow, March 22nd, to talk about his new book. Marty Solomon is a Messianic Jewish theologian, rabbi. He's become a friend of mine through the years, and he'll, his new book's coming out, and so you want to be here March 22nd uh, in a couple of weeks. But anyway, he says, Jesus didn't walk around with God goggles, meaning that Jesus responded to what God directed him to do. And I know what you're saying. Show this to me in the Bible. I'm glad you asked. John chapter, watch this, 5, verse 19. This is Jesus speaking. Jesus said, truly I tell you, the Son, me, is not able to do anything on his own, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, the Son likewise does these things. For the Father loves the Son watch this, and shows him everything he is doing. What that means is I think God had a roadmap of what he wanted Jesus to accomplish on this earth. And although Jesus was God, he didn't use his divinity to his advantage. Now, Paul tells us this in the book of Philippians chapter two, verse six. He says, Jesus who existing in the form of God did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited or grasped. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant, taking on the likeness of what? Humanity, he became a man. And so what that means is this, Jesus went to the Father to receive his marching orders daily. He didn't do anything on his own. And this is why I believe Jesus in his humanity prayed as much as he did. Now, if you look at the gospels, you'll see that Jesus is praying all the time. In fact, I have a few of them listed here, but I could have given you many more. But let me show you a few instances. Jesus prayed before and during his baptism, Luke chapter three, verse 21. Jesus prayed before choosing the disciples. Jesus prayed before multiplying the fish and the bread. He even prayed for a friend in Luke 22. Jesus prayed for God to raise Lazarus from the dead, John 11. He would pray for those who would believe, his disciples and even us, John chapter 17. He prayed for himself in the garden of Gethsemane and then he even prays on the cross multiple times, Luke 23. Jesus prayed in the morning, he prayed at midday, he prayed in the evening. Jesus prayed by himself, Jesus prayed with the disciples. Jesus prayed before, during, and after every major event in his life. Now why do I say that? If Jesus Christ, as the immortal Son of God, prayed all the time throughout his earthly life, how much more do we today, as mere mortals, need to do the same? Say that again. If anybody didn't have to pray, <laughs> Jesus could have checked out with the God card, right? Like, hey, I'm God, I don't have to. And yet Jesus in his humanity prayed all the time. Let me ask you about your life. Are you praying right now for God's will to be done in your life? Better yet, are you even praying to know the will of God for your life? Or are you just blindly following the ways of the world? 
Are you consulting with the Holy Spirit for wisdom and direction for your life, or are you getting it from TikTok or Twitter or World News or worse, Facebook, right? I mean, think of your, I don't know your life, I know my life. But I do know this, the frequency of your prayers is an indicator of your dependence upon God. Let me say that again. The frequency or lack thereof of your prayer life is an indicator of how dependent you are upon God. See, what you say to God without saying a word by not praying is, God, I'm good, I don't need you. When I do, I'll call you. That's what you're saying. So you don't have to tell God anything about what you need from him or your dependence upon him. You're saying everything by the lack of praying. Now, Jesus prayed often, and the way I got this idea of continual is interesting. Take your Bible in Hebrews 5, if you have it, or your, or your iPad or, or your device. I want you to go back to verse 1, and I want you to look at verse 3. Because that word offered, I believe, is the key word in this passage. That word offered was a term used by the same writer earlier in the passage to talk about the daily offerings or the gifts that the priests would make before God. So they were expected to offer up multiple times a day as an act of worship at 9 a.m. for sure and 3 p.m. during the day as an act of worship to God. And what he says is in verse seven, this is exactly what Jesus did. In the same way the priests offered up continually prayer or or, or offerings and, and gifts, Jesus offered up prayers, notice this, and petitions, interesting, prayers and appeals. Now, those two words are very familiar to us because we know them from the Bible. We see the word prayer in the Bible. We see the word petition or appeal. But you'll notice here, this is the only time, this is mind-blowing, it's the only time where these two words, prayer and petition, prayer and appeal, are put together right here in the entire Bible. And it shows us that this is not just casual praying. This is not just surface level praying. This is a specific prayer to meet a particular need in a person's life. And while I'm sure Jesus prayed this kind of praying often, we know for sure what kind of praying he's talking about in one instance in the life of Jesus. Pop quiz, do you know where it is? Where did Jesus pray with such intensity, with such fervency? In the Garden of Gethsemane, right? which leads to the second characteristic of the prayer life of Jesus. Number two is Jesus prayed passionately. Could have said fervently, but that's an older term and most don't use fervently anymore. So how about passionately? Jesus prayed passionately. We should pray passionately. Now, it says in the text, he prayed, and this is hard for our minds to to wrap around. Jesus prayed with loud cries and tears. Do you know Jesus prayed many times through tears? He cried out to the Father. And we know this from Luke chapter 22. This is the Garden of Gethsemane, verse 44. Jesus is praying in anguish. He prayed more fervently. And his sweat became like drops of blood falling to the ground. Friends, let me remind you today. Satan hates nothing more than when a believer prays. Did you know that? 
Nothing causes Satan to tremble more than a believer on their knees before a holy God. He hates prayer so much, which is why you and I pray so little. We're always so busy, right? Is it funny? I mean, think of your own prayer life. Think of the totality. Let's just take last week for a moment. Think about how much time you set aside to spend alone with the Father in prayer. Just think of your own life. I don't know, your, you do. Someone told me years ago that Satan doesn't make you bad or, or cause you to be mad, he keeps you busy. If he can keep you busy, he wins, right? There's a specific type of praying though, I believe Satan hates more than anything. In fact, Leonard Ravenhill, the great revivalist and evangelist said it this way. He says, God doesn't answer prayer, God answers desperate prayers. Desperate prayers. God hears tireless prayers. God listens to travailing prayer, just a continual prayer. God hears persistent prayers, fervent prayers, passionate prayers. Give you a couple examples. Think of uh, the Old Testament mom, Hannah. Hannah went on to birth, arguably the greatest judge in the history of Israel, a man named, you remember his name? Samuel. Samuel would go on to anoint King David as the king of the nation. Pretty big deal here. But Hannah was childless for many years, and it says that she fasted and wept and cried out to God persistently. She petitioned God. She travailed in prayer, and eventually God answered her prayer, I believe, because of her persistence. Long how often do we give up on God right before God's about to answer? Think of Rachel. Rachel's married to Isaac. She's childless and she goes to her husband and before God, she says, God, you need to give me a child or I will die. She was burdened in prayer. Look at me. When was the last time you prayed like that? When was the last time you were desperate for God to move in your life? Maybe you're desperate now. Maybe you're saying to me, I have a need. Think of your life. I have a need right now. I am desperate, pastor, for God to move in my family. I'm desperate for a wayward child to come home. I'm desperate for my marriage to be strengthened. I'm desperate for my job to turn around. I'm desperate for the financial struggle I'm in. I'm desperate for a healing in my life. I don't know what you're desperate for, but are you praying tirelessly? Let me ask it this way. If revival coming to our church, or better yet, your church, if revival coming to your church was dependent solely upon your prayer life, would we experience it here at Long Hollow? Uh, let me say it another way. If revival coming to your home was dependent upon your personal prayer life, would God send revival? If revival coming to your neighborhood, coming to your workplace, coming to our community was dependent upon your prayer life, would it come? Oh, Long Hall, I want you to get this. Don't miss this. I believe every battle we face in the Christian life is won or lost by prayer. I believe that. Now, how do I know that? Because Paul said we are not battling against flesh and blood. The battle's not against people. It's against powers and principalities, spiritual forces of another world. 
And so if God would, like he's done before in the Old Testament, pull back the veil of reality and let us peer into the supernatural invisible realm, we would be blown away at the war that is being waged right now. And the only way we can battle, can't go there obviously, is by sending petitions and prayers to the Father who deploys an army of angels to fight for us, amen? Isn't that cool? But here's what Jesus is showing us. You have to pray. See, the battle is won or lost, not in politics. The battle is not won in the courthouse. The battle is not gonna be won or lost in Congress. The battle is going to be won or lost in the prayer closet, amen? I'm not against those things. I, I vote every time, I'm a voter, right? But friends, it's not gonna be won if we get the right person in political power because we've had those people, quote, in power, and we're still in a mess. The battle's gonna be won when a mom says, I'm gonna get on my knees at night in the prayer closet, and I'm gonna stand in the gap for my kids and pray fervently. That's how it's won. The battle's gonna be won when a dad decides to humble himself before a holy God and get on his knees and say, count me like the watchman on the wall to stand in the gap for my family, God. I'm gonna pray for my family. It's gonna be won when students decide to get passionate about praying for their lost friends and their lost classmates and say, God, I wanna win my friends to Jesus. Use me for the glory of God. That's how it's gonna be won. Let me ask you. Are you willing to be that one? Are you willing to humble yourself before God and say, I wanna be that person? That kind of person was a man named John Knox. I don't know if you know John Knox from history, but he, he was the Protestant preacher who actually established churches in Scotland. He's got an amazing beard, if you can, I mean, just, I love it. My mom probably would disagree, but, I love the beer, right? He's heralded through the centuries as one of the greatest preachers of all time. But those who knew him closely and those who knew him best said he was a far better prayer than preacher. In fact, he would get alone with the Lord for hours on end. He would pray fervently and passionately. And one of his prayers that people would hear him praying all the time was this, God, give me Scotland or I die. And he meant it. If you won't see, if you won't let me see the people or fellow countrymen come to the Lord in my lifetime, just take me away immediately. Reminds us of Paul. Paul said, what? I'd rather be a curse so that my people know Christ. He was an amazing prayer. In fact, Queen Mary, if you're familiar with Queen Mary, she's known as Bloody Mary. I don't know if the drink was named after, but she was called Bloody Mary. And the reason she was called Bloody Mary is because during her short five-year reign, she murdered and killed over 300 men and women who professed and preached Christ. I did the math. That's one preacher or Christian a week dying under her reign. She said, and I quote about the life of John Knox, particularly his prayer life, she said, I fear the prayers of John Knox more than the assembled armies of Europe. Look at me. Does Satan fear your prayer life? Does Satan have anything to fear at all in your life? 
See, if we want our prayers to be heard by God, number one, we need to pray consistently. Number two, we need to pray passionately. Number three, we need to pray reverently. We need to pray reverently. Now, the word reverence is an interesting word, and it's the key, I think, to the entire passage. It says, look at it, Jesus was heard because of his what? Look what the text says, reverence. Now, reverence is another word for fear or awe. Like to be in awe of some. Now, not, not fear like horror or, or, or dread, but more of kind of a holy respect, a, a, a holy uh, respect for the character of God, a respect for um, the power of God, a respect for the person of God. Now, Jesus had a respect for the Father, obviously, because he knew the wrath of God that was meant for sinners on earth who were separated from God. But Jesus also knew the loving kindness of the Father. He knew the mercy of God. He knew the long-suffering of God. He knew the compassion of God and the forgiveness offered from God. And what the text says is, because of his reverence, God heard him. Now, don't miss this. It doesn't say God answered every request the way Jesus wanted. It says God heard him because of his reverence. Now, we know as Christians, God doesn't answer all of our prayer requests, at least not in the way we want. And here's the encouraging news for us today. Don't miss this. Isn't it encouraging that the Son of God himself did not get the prayers he prayed answered the way he wanted? Say that again. Isn't it encouraging? Jesus, Father, if there's any way for this to happen another way, let it be so. However, not my will, but your will be done. And the Father does not answer that request that way. Let me just encourage you. When God hears a prayer, he, he answers with yes, not now, or another way. But God always hears the request of his people. Why? Because he knows our future better than our past. He knows the beginning and the end and now at the same time. How many people would, in here would say, thank God he didn't answer requests that I prayed through my life? I know even today I'm like, golly. Thank God that didn't go the way I want it, right? Because God knows what's best. And what it means is we need to pray though with this, with this reverence for God. And when we pray with reverence, God listens. Now, reverence is this idea, don't miss this, of the posture of our heart being matched with the position of our life. Okay, write that down. The position of your life physically matches the posture of your heart. Meaning, if you wanna humble yourself before a holy God, then when was the last time you bowed the knee before him in prayer instead of cowering down because of the pride of what other people may think? The position of your life matches the posture of your heart. Do you sing with hands raised and mouth open and praises lifted to the God who saves save your soul or do you stand there with arms crossed and stoic face. When I give the invitation at the end of the message, do you run to the, to the altar and say, hey, I wanna be in the presence, just one moment in the presence of God. I just wanna be in the presence of God. Or do you sit in your seat unmoved? The, the position of your life matches the posture of your heart. And here's the principle here. And this is what we see all through scripture. Desperation leads to revelation. What do I mean? When you're desperate for God, God reveals himself to you. That's how it works. 
There has to be a desperation for God. Friends, prayer is not getting, let me, let me correct our thinking. Prayer is not getting things from God. Prayer is getting God. That's what prayer is. The goal of prayer is God, right? In prayer, God reveals himself to us and we wanna bask in his presence. We wanna stay in his glory. Now, sadly, your prayer life is like mine was for years. It's, it's a lot about me. It's my agenda and my wants and my needs and my struggles and my pain and my aches and my troubles and my issues and, and everything I want. And I'm not saying you should not pray for those things. It's fine to pray with those things. But prayer is more, don't miss this, about intimacy with a person than it is about an answer to a petition. Did you know that? I want you to change your thinking about prayer. It's not, it's not just answering a petition. It's intimacy with a person, namely Jesus. But I know what you're thinking. I just don't know what to pray. Pastor, I don't know the words to say when I pray. I know that was a big hurdle for me years ago when I came to the Lord. One of the things I've learned through the years is that some, some of the greatest prayers you can pray have no language. Did you know that? What do you mean? They are simply a cry from your heart. How many remember when you had an infant in the home? Anybody remember an infant in the home? Who has an infant in the home? Anybody still? God bless you. <laughs> well, you remember, I remember when the boys were little, I just didn't understand all the crying. I just didn't, I mean, and both of us had colic too. People say, why didn't you go for three kids? I wasn't about to chance another one. I love my kids, right? Just didn't know if I could love another one with colic again, right? But anyway, anyway, I say that with the love of Christ, of course, obviously. But remember when your children were little or, or if you don't have children, you've be around, been around children. Let's say a three-month-old child, let's say a little boy you have and that three-month-old child, you put him to bed and you tuck him in the crib and mom and dad go to sleep and as you're lying in the bed, you hear down the hall from the baby, dad, come turn the light on. You're like, what was that? See, surely that wasn't the child. So you put your head back on the pillow and then you hear, mom, I'm hungry, come feed me. Is that how your infant talks to you? No, it's not how they talk. In fact, they don't even have words. They don't even know how to communicate. How does an infant talk to a father or a mother? Crying. They cry. In fact, there's a language to crying. Did you know that? There, there, there's a way crying communicates. For example, and, and I've learned, guys, you know this, wives are way better at deciphering that kind of language. For me, it's always a cry. You know, but Kenny's like, oh, no, 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 he's hungry. I'm like, what? It's a hungry cry. What are you talking about? Hungry, he sounds mad to me. You know? And then <laughs> there's a cry for hunger. There's a cry to be taken out the crib, different kind of cry, right? There's a cry when the tummy hurts, right? There's a cry for a temper tantrum, which is always the same cry, right? But, 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 but mom knows like there's certain different cries that are communicating different things to the father or the mother coming close. Our loving father, knows the language of the cries of his children. <laughs> now, 
Yeah. yeah. Aren't you? Aren't you glad? But but God does hear the cries of his children. But here's what's cool about God. He knows when we cry, he knows the whimper, he knows the whine, he knows the sniffle. God even hears us when we throw a temper tantrum. God even hears, I love this, the silent request of our heart. And he listens. You know, some of the best prayers we can pray as Christians are wordless prayers to God. The Bible speaks of this, Romans chapter eight, verse 26, in the same way the Spirit also helps us in our weaknesses. Because we do not know what to pray for as we should pray, but the Spirit himself intercedes, cries out for us with inexpressible groanings. Charles Spurgeon, I love this quote based on this passage, says the best style of prayer is that which cannot be called anything else but a cry. I'm gonna invite you this morning to come and just really just be in the presence of the Lord. You may not even have the words to say, and that's okay, you don't have to. But I know in a group this size, there are some who are desperate for more of God. You want, you want God to hear your prayer. You want God to respond. And you're simply gonna come and cry out to God. Just bring your need, your need to the feet of Jesus. And you're just gonna spend a moment in his presence and I'm just gonna ask you to do that in just a moment. Father, I'm praying right now in just a moment as we come to you in prayer. We may not have the words to say, but that's okay. You know that the moment our mouth opens, you put your ear to our heart and you listen to our heart. You know what we're gonna say before we say it. And yet it pleases you in worship when we humble ourselves and bow the knee before you. When we sing with lips in words offered up to heaven to the one who saved us. And when we bow in humility and spend time in an unhurried condition of prayer. God, there are a lot of needs here today. We know you're a God who meets our needs right where we are. And so we ask it in the only name we know how. And that's the strong and powerful name of Jesus Christ. And everyone said, 